Hey everyone, it's Nellie here. How are you doing? Today we are joined by one of my best friends and favourite colleagues, the wonderful Cal Wilson. You'll see why I chose Cal for this special episode. Um, basically, I love and trust her. And to be honest, I needed both to have this chat. Oh, what can I say? Today is a personal and a pretty vulnerable episode. You'll see what I mean when you listen. It was a hard one to record, so I'm not going to do a long intro and go over it again. Just listen and you'll get it. One thing I do want to say to you, though, because I know the DNLE community is so lovely and supportive. We record the podcast ahead by some weeks, and this was recorded quite a while ago now. I just want you to know that I'm doing all the things I need to do and that I'm okay. All right, a few things. The podcast was recorded in the council area known as Maribyrnong in Melbourne. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Please keep sending me your listener calls. As you know, they are the best. Chuck out the rest. If you want to support the podcast, we have Dianelli Plus through Acast and Patreon where you get bonus content. You could also pull your phone out right now and give us a five-star review and or share this episode with a friend or colleague. That stuff seems insignificant, but it really does help. And last but not least, one quick thing. This is a sex, dating and relationships podcast for adults. If you don't like swearing, it's really going to give you the shit. So you know what to do. Off your fuck. 10LA sex relationships and dating from the other side of 40. We are back with sloppy seconds <laughs> with the one and only Cal Wilson. I cannot tell you how much <laughs> I hate sloppy seconds. I knew you would. Oh my god, I can't stand it. Will you come back for thirsty thirds? Oh, that's beautiful. Thirsty sloppy, thirds. Sloppy seconds, I recognise yeah, yeah. because I've heard guys use it. Yeah. And it just conjures up really. I, I'm too visual a thinker, yeah. I think. Um, I was thinking, what about encore screening? Oh. <laughs> Sounds a little bit posh, though. Yes. Too posh. I do like that, though. But, you know, encore, and then what do we have for thirds, though? I've got to keep this alliteration going. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, triumphant thirds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do get the sloppy seconds. It's gross. 
For me, it's a reclaiming. Yes, I absolutely understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cal Wilson, how are you, I'm darling? Good. I'm good. It's You're always good. so lovely to see you. Oh, you too. You were our second guest. Yeah. So it's been a minute. It has been a minute. And you are on the TV. I am. It's what are you doing? Warmest, it's the warmest place in the house. Yeah. Like, just sit on top of it. <laughs> Not that you can do that with TVs anymore. Um, what are you warming, Cal? Uh, all of the best bits. Um, yeah, Bake Off, the Great Australian Bake Off screening at the moment. Yeah. Which so home. for people who haven't seen it, give us a quick pricey. It's a show where great amateur bakers compete to win yeah. the title of Australia's greatest amateur baker and I'm co-hosting with Natalie Tran and it's just beautiful it's the most uplifting wholesome and a beautiful way show there's no villains there's no no sabotage it's just people making incredible food and showing their amazing creativity there's no shit edit like no one has to be the bad guy or girl no Uh, the reason I love it I think listeners will know if they listen to all episodes like I've had a bit of a mental health moment Mm -hmm. in the last little while and part of my strategy, which I'm very happy to say is working, is that I've done a real edit of the things that go uh-huh. into my brain. You know, no different to changing your food. Yeah. Where I kind of go, I can't just dine out on the Sopranos and, yep. Yep. you know, the wire and think I'm going to be all right mentally. And the reason I love Bake Off is because there is no villain. Right, mm-hmm. so there's no, it's not a gotcha. No, no. No one's out to kind of go, oh, let's show this shit cake. Yeah, you know, no, like no. it's it's beautiful, but I also love people. It's there's a real diversity of people, yeah, and they're doing something they love that's accessible. Yes, there's other cooking shows for me. I'm like, I'm never, I'm not buying truffles. Yeah, God, I don't know how to use that weird tool. Oh well, my God, I don't have a fucking vitamizer or a creme brulee torch. Or you know, <laughs> whereas you watch Bake Off and you go, I reckon I could do something approximating that. Yeah. It's, and it's so lovely. And the thing that I love for the contestants is that they, as an adult, you don't get to meet new friends en masse no. that have a shared interest. It's like yep. we might suddenly discover we both like cakes. But yes. on Bake Off, everybody has this shared yes. passion. And I love – I've kept in touch with a few of the bakers that live yeah. in Melbourne. And they're still in this giant WhatsApp group. Still asking for tips and advice and showing things they've baked. Yeah. And it's just so lovely. What's the most common refrain on this podcast? Find your tribe. Yeah. Right, yep. find your people. It's not about the one. It's find your yes, people. Yes. And if your people are all bakers, and it doesn't matter if you're 17 or 77, you've got something to talk about. Yeah, totally. And and what I love is that so a kind of ongoing joke for us when we were filming is that Natalie and I do not need to taste the food, but we absolutely taste the food. <laughs> <laughs> we're not the judges. We're not the judges. But the bakers, uh, it was like it was like you know how you leave stuff out for Santa, like they'd leave little scraps at the end of the bench yeah, for yeah. us two seagulls to come flying. Yeah. <laughs> So you've got like half a carrot yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a biscuit. Yeah, a bit of gingerbread. Um, and so now when I catch up with my bakers, they bring me baking because oh. we've established that they feed me. The wardrobe department must love that. <laughs> Next size up. <laughs> like Elvis getting his pants yeah. let out every night. <laughs> I would get on my knee, but I can't. I absolutely love it. And the the hosting, and I know you don't like compliments, but I don't care. It's, again, you bring such joy to everything you do and such warmth you know, and I think again, in as particularly in the reality genre, which is easy to shit on, you don't get that a lot. Yeah. You know, it's usually about well, what is going to be salacious? What's going yeah. to undermine someone? Oh, let's laugh at that quirky guy. You just bring love. Yeah, and I really feel like it's my dream job. Like all I have to yeah. do is eat cake and make jokes, and yeah. <laughs> it's so it's just so much fun. And our two judges just really love it. And there's this moment that I think about all the time after. 
we finished filming an episode, someone asked Darren a question about a technique yeah. and he stood there and talked to the bakers for ages yeah. and they were all clustered around him and he was having such, he was so excited to share the yeah. knowledge there was no kind of like, oh, I can't tell you about this because I'm a professional pastry chef. No, because it was his craft. Yeah, and just so delighted that yes. people wanted to know. And, yeah, Rachel, the other judge, is incredible. And yeah. just, yeah, I just feel so lucky. And for me that is, again, it's not the one genre reality TV. There is – you could have equally another show with a host who knew nothing about food, was disinterested, was just happy to be on telly. Yeah. And that's not this. No, no, everyone know? is invested. Yes. Yeah, so for anyone who wants to put some nutritious entertainment into their beautiful brain and heart, we're going to watch Bake Off. Where can we watch it? Uh, Foxtel Lifestyle Channel. Foxtel Lifestyle Foxtel Lifestyle, Lifestyle Channel. Channel. I think I watch it on Binge. Oh, you might. Yes, yes it's also on Binge. Yes. You do watch it on Binge. Yes, because I don't have Foxtel Lifestyle. <laughs> I can't say <laughs> Foxtel it. Foxtel Lifestyle? Foxtel Lifestyle Channel or on Binge. Binge, yep. Yeah, so go and find that. Now, I've brought you here for a bit of a hard episode. Yes. And I have to say the re- – well, two things. One, I might cry. Which well, I probably might cry as well. So. <laughs> you're one of the only people I'll cry in front of. Um but also, I, ju- I trust you to have this conversation. So I wanted to – it's such a weird fucking – you will relate to this. Yep. I, I Presumably the, the listeners will as well. It's a weird thing to have to even do this, but this yeah. is the nature of the podcast and people have followed my journey, mm-hmm. you know, for a couple of years and it's part of the journey. So long story short, the lovely Lauren and I have broken up. And I thought, I'll bring Cal, because I trust you with my mind and my heart, mm-hmm. to ask me questions about that. Yep. Go. Okay. How, how are you <laughs> feeling right now about talking about it? Oh, really uncomfortable. Yep. Really uncomfortable. And probably the main reason, A, because it's emotional, mm-hmm. but also I think even in my stand-up days, and you're very much the same and you were really an early mentor for me from, what, 2002, mm. I've always been very mindful of privacy. Yep. I don't care what people know about me, but I'm really mindful of the privacy of other people. Yes, yeah. So I never made jokes about my ex, for example. I've never done stuff about my ex-in-laws or I rarely mm. talk about my kids, or unless it's just light shit. Yeah. You know, but I'm really mindful that the person you're talking about doesn't have a right to reply. Yeah, yeah. And because I'm talking about a breakup with the lovely Lauren, she's not here. Yeah, and it, and I to, I'm totally with you. You're, yeah. you're telling part of your story that involves her, but yeah. she has the right to ha- tell her own story. Of course. And it's also, as we get to this age, like, you know, 40s and 50s, like, there's no villain in the breakup no. either. Like, it's not like, oh, I've just broken up with an asshole who had a yes. whole separate family. Like, yes. it's, it's two lovely people who yeah. adore and respect each other. Yeah who just aren't the right fit. Yes, exactly. That's a lovely way to put it. I mean, I've been reflecting on it a lot because being mindful of privacy, obviously I don't want to go into detail, but I think the way that I would describe it, like we gave it a good shot. Yep. You know, we gave it a good almost a year. Um, listeners who've followed me for the last couple of years know it's my first relationship post-divorce. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal. Yeah, totally. And I think at the end of the day we just weren't compatible so yeah. it really doesn't feel to me like someone was wrong. No, no. It's like um, two beautiful jigsaw puzzles <laughs> or two two puzzle pieces but one's from a different jigsaw. Yes. And so even though all the colours are beautiful, it's yes. just not quite the right shape. Yes, and I think 
philosophically, I was thinking about this because obviously I knew we were having this chat and it's been on my mind. Mm -hmm. I think in the past, I mean, I've had a few significant relationships. I think I've had relationships where it was all compatibility and not enough love and adoration. Uh I think with Lauren and I, there was lots of love, lots of adoration, not enough compatibility. Yep. And not that I'm in any way like moving on right now, but I think if I'm in a relationship in the future, the thing I've learned has to be both. Yes, yeah, yeah, and that's the hard thing too, isn't it? Because it's not like you've it's not like you've finished loving her. No, and she's wonderful, but it's yeah. just knowing that it's it's not the right fit. Yeah, and I think. Maybe, you know, when you're in your 20s and, you know, this podcast is very specifically talking about relationships and dating from a sort of post-40 lens. Obviously not all the listeners are post-40, but for me 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I would have just ignored the compatibility issues. Yep. Because I still had that very romantic um, rom-com narrative, like love conquers all, you know, and the right person you'll do anything for – I think from this age, at nearly 50, I just don't believe that. Yeah, and you're not trying to bend yourself to fit a shape that or isn't yours. Or bend someone else. Bend someone else and to fit that shape too. You know, yeah. the idea of kind of going, make all these changes for me or I'll make all these changes for you. Obviously, relationships are compromised. But there's a point at which you go, I'm actually asking you and you're asking me to be someone I'm not, mm. you know, and – Oh, Cal, it's hard. Really hard, and it doesn't. It doesn't make it any easier, easier knowing that you've done the right thing. No, because your heart is still broken. Well, this is the other thing that I think because I know there's people listening who are in fresh breakups. Yeah, I think I've recognised two things. One, heartbreak is physical. Yes. Like it fucking hurts. Yes. Yep. Like on a physical level. For listeners, you won't know this, but, you know, I will ring out like sobbing because it hurts yeah. so much. But I also think it's cumulative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you've – yeah, because you know what you you know what it feels like and you know what it means and what it's meant. Yeah. So you're not – this is not like your first breakup. No. This is – and is it somehow worse having the knowledge of like you know you know how this goes and you know that the yeah. only way out is through it oh. and that could be months and I can't months, tell you, know, you how like, hard that knowledge like yeah. it's great to know that because you also know I know how to mend yep but you also know there's no quick way through it yeah you know and I think I think back to I remember probably my first heartbreak was nothing like this but I was 15 and you know, when you're 15, yeah. like it's just like you'll never recover. And yeah, yeah, no one's ever loved over. like this no before. No one's yeah. ever loved like this before. And I think this breakup, I'm feeling that one and everyone since. Yeah. Yep. That's what I mean by it being cumulative because yep. all the things that we hear from listeners, you know, I'm not immune to any of those things. No one will love me again. Mm. I'm too hard. I'm too much. You know, I don't, I'm not good enough. Like all those things, just because I know intellectually that's not true, doesn't mean it's not in my body and my nervous system. Yeah. Fuck, it's hard. Yeah. And I totally remember having that feeling of heartbreak. Like I I remember having the thought after I'd been broken up with by a ridiculous man who we had a very passionate on off, on off thing. But I remember. You were 20 something. Yeah. Mm. Going, oh my God. 
I understand why this that's a broken heart because yes. my heart, my actual heart is hurting. Like the chest, the chest. Like yeah, I can't explain it. it any more than going. A friend of mine actually said to me, who I rang sobbing, our beautiful mutual friend Kelly Jamala. She's like, have some Panadol. I'm like, why oh would God. I have some Panadol? It's brilliant. She said, because it's the same pain center in your brain. This what you're feeling as if you banged your knee. And she's bloody right, like yeah. a physical pain. And yeah. that's not all the time now. Like it's been a little while now. It's mm-hmm. not there all the time, but it comes comes and goes. Yep. Is the other thing that the things that shits me when you think, oh, I feel good today, yeah, yeah. and then something will happen, or you hear a song, or you see a photo, and then suddenly you're just a punch to the chest, and you're back in the feeling. Four o'clock of the same day, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like it's just fucking bullshit. So yeah, it's and all the same things that we hear from all the listeners. You can very, very easily catastrophize. Mm. You know, get into that stuff. I'll never meet anyone yep, again. Yep. I'll never want to date again. I'll, ne- you know, all that sort of stuff. I'm talking myself off those ledges, but they're there. Yeah, yeah, they're there. Those those scripts are in my head like they are in anyone else's. Yeah, and the thought that you know I've hurt someone. Yep, that's a hard one as well, isn't oh, it? Hard one. It's brutal. Yeah, yep. it's brutal. So when I'm in my adult mind, you know, I'm trying to say to myself. The opposite mm-hmm. of all those things. Not the opposite of all that. No, that's not true because some of those things are true. But when I'm in my adult mind, I kind of go, we gave it a good go. Yep. We were both respectful. We were both loving. We've done all the right mm. things and sometimes things don't work out. That's, you know. Yeah, that's, that's the rational grown-up brain. That's the grown-up yep. brain. Little Nelly, tantrum. Yep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Just like... Kick and shit over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me an icy pole. <laughs> um, yeah, so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about actually was recovery. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm trying to do this differently this time because yeah. I think when I've had heartbreaks before, I've either moved through too quick, mm-hmm. you know, like soldier on Nelly, you know, stoicism, all that sort yep, of stuff, yep. which actually means you don't feel it. And therefore, it stays in your body. Yeah. Or the opposite of kind of like indulging it is the way that I would put it. Yeah. And just letting those thoughts of you'll be alone forever or whatever the fuck it is to sort of sit there. So I've been researching, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> Before I tell you about my culture share, though, do you have any other questions? Um, I guess, I guess, how are you navigating it? Yeah together apart so are you are you both out of touch with each other have you kind of made a plan for you know do you see this is a lot of questions but like do you see yourselves coming to a time when you are friends again Mm. and able to be in each other's lives or Mm. is it one of those things where you both just have to walk away off your fuck um I hope not I sincerely hope not and I think she hopes not Mm. as well um I reckon I think the first thing I'd say is that I would, to my dying day, defend her in any room that I was in. Yeah. Including if any of her exes are listening. <laughs> right? I really would. Yeah. Like I have the utmost respect mm. for her. I love and adore her. There's no rancor at all. Yep. Um, the difficulty though I think is that the temptation when you yeah. still have love for each other yep. is to be in too much contact. 
Yeah. And I think that we are struggling a little bit with that. So obviously we've had um, some big chats and those are really hard. They're also really good, you know, for clarification and a range of things. I think the thing that we're going to have to find a pathway to is inevitably you have to have some sort of break or pullback Mm -hmm. to be able to come back together and rebuild as friends. Yep. And I think we both want that and I reckon we'll do it. But I don't think we can do it immediately. Yep. You know, because I think if you're still texting each other five times a day and you're catching up twice a week and you're, you know, planning this and planning Mm. that, well, you're kind of together. Yeah. Yeah. You're like you're not letting go. And that's the hard bit because you don't want to let go. No. And, yeah, and because it's not a you cheated on her or she cheated no. on you or um, turns out that, like, she's been embezzling funds or, yeah. like, because there's no... No one threw an elbow. Yeah, there's no know? there's no easy, concrete, yeah. black and white reason. Nah. It's really hard because you go, so much of me wants to be with this Absolutely. person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you miss each other. Yeah. You know, you miss each other. If you love each other, it's the same as when... Well, it's not the same, but, you know... You might experience that when your friends go away yeah. or you move away from family or you can't see your kids or whatever. There's a yearning. Yeah. And the temptation, I think, particularly, you know, let's be honest, of a night time, you know, mm. on your own um, is to reach out. Yeah. And also when you're used to seeking your comfort from yeah. someone and they're the person that can't comfort you, that's really hard as oh. well. Like, And you can't comfort each other yeah. through this. No. I think – and you want to. Yeah. You know, like you really want to. It, it's funny, isn't it? It's always the little things. Like we joke about it, but it bloody always is. It's like something will happen. Like, I don't know, something happened the other day and I thought, oh, tell Laura. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Oh, can't. I can't do that. Yeah. Like I could. It's not that she would tell me not to, but I know it's not the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you're kind of constantly policing your own boundaries. Yeah. Um, maybe to some extent policing each other's. And I don't know how that will look exactly, but I feel like we'll need to have a bit of, not no contact, but distance, Mm. put a bit of distance in place to then be able to come back and rebuild a friendship. because otherwise you're just poking at each other, you know, at at the bruise on your arm. Like you poke, poke, poke. Open wound. Yeah. And whether you're conscious of it or not, you're you're keeping something alive Mm. that actually you need to let go of to be able to start again. You know, but I really do think um, we will start again as friends. Yep. That's my really strong hope anyway. And as I said, I really, I will absolutely have it back. Yeah. You know, like it's not a, you're a terrible person no, situation. No, um, Hopefully God, from either side. It's such a fucker, isn't it? Really, that's oh, what it is. Cow. Like, <laughs> Honestly, and it's that shit. I mean, I feel really exposed saying this, but I'm going to say it because I know people listening have felt the same way. I think when you've had a divorce, a separation, or you've had a couple, mm-hmm. you know, or you've had a few, you just feel like a fucking failure. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, oh, why, why couldn't I make it work? Yeah. You know, am I the, the damaged goods that kind totally, of totally totally you know? I, I remember coming out of my awful relationship mm. and finding myself in a share house situation again in my mm. late 30s and going I didn't think I would be here again no it was such a late 30s mid 30s but yeah. it was such a moment of like oh fuck yeah I'm doing this again I thought I was past this I didn't think yes. I'd have to go through these steps again to start to heal and all of the... Do I have to rally again? Yeah, yeah. You know, and whether you... I hate this about myself. I thought that this was done for me. 
but I'll admit I was worried of others' judgment. Yeah, and having to tell people as having well. Having to like, tell people. Ugh, it's yeah, you know, it's, it's exhausting. different to tell someone when you're 22 or we broke up. When you're 48. Yeah. Yeah, yep. It's really different. Yeah. You know, you do feel, whether it's projection, whether it's, I don't know what it is, but you feel it. Am I being judged? You know, Mm. I was talking to a friend last night in exactly the same situation. He will be coming on the podcast when he's ready, still a bit raw. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were just talking about that that thing of, like, he said just, like, telling his mum. Yeah. You know, and he was just so worried that she would be worried for him and – all of that kind of stuff. Like it's big. Yeah, and when you know that your friends have been so delighted for you as well yes. when it's got together and, you know, yes. you have all your beautiful listeners yeah. and everyone's kind of invested in it, yeah. it's, yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's rough. Yeah. It's rough. Can I share my culture share Please. with you? So I went looking for things because I thought I'm either going to sit down and watch, you know, Love actually, mm-hmm. and like, just crying. Right, <laughs> you need to do that too, yep. and listen to music and all the rest of it. But I found a TED talk called "How to Fix a Broken Heart." This was when my chest was mm. literally hurting, and I thought, "Fuck it, I'm going to Google it." <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Google. There's a TED talk by a guy called Guy Winch, who's a psychologist. Just side note, really irritating voice, but you know that could just be me. <laughs> I just wanted to share with you, like you can go and find it. It's only 10 minutes. You can listen to it. But share a couple of things with you and see what Mm -hmm. you think. So the first thing he says is basically that he would say to all his patients, and I'm paraphrasing, but heartbreak is like a universal experience Mm -hmm. or almost universal Mm -hmm. experience. Why do you think that's important to understand? Because it connects us as human beings and like it does it comfort you to know that you are not the only person going through this yeah. right now and that if you tell someone what's happened, they've got the empathy and the understanding mm. because because we have all been there, because we've yes. all been blindsided or, yeah, the future that we had planned or that we were mm. expecting is just We've all felt destroyed. shattered. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I remember, I can't remember who it was, but I remember hearing someone else say, when I was researching for the podcast actually months ago, and it was a psychologist basically saying, you walk into the supermarket, look around, every single person in there, or let's say 95% of them have been heartbroken, and they're okay now. Wow. Yeah. And that stayed with me. Totally. I thought, okay, I can feel like this now, feelings pass. Mm. All these people have been here. Many more will be here yep. again. I may be here again. Yeah. My kids will go through this. You know, almost everyone listening will go through it. We survive. Yeah, that's the thing about it, isn't it? You like yeah. you get through it. You get, you get through, through it. it. You get through it. So he says he gives some really good tips, which is why I wanted to recommend the TED Talk on practically how to get through it. So one of the things he talks about brain chemistry and he basically says when you're in heartbreak mode, obviously you flooded with a range of hormones and, you know, adrenaline and all the things that mimic, mimic anxiety. And he said our brain does not want to accept clear and simple explanations. So he talks about how he will see patients all the time and go, I don't know what happened. And then they will re- relay what the other person said. And he's like, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fascinating. Yeah. That's so – that is – that. That blows my mind because mm. it's why why do we do that why why do we do that do we just 
I think it's fight or flight. I think it's, you know, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Think of a situation, like let's say you have a car accident and someone goes, Cal, where's your watch? Where's your phone? You won't be able to remember no, where no. it is. You, no. if, even though they say, pick up your phone and call Chris, you might not be able to process yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what he's saying is the same thing. So interesting. So even someone sitting, you and I had broken up and I sit opposite and I go, Cal, I just really don't like your glasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not this again. <laughs> and you're going, but why? But why? But why? I, I yeah, don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your brain, yeah, your brain has just experienced an explosion and so it can't take anything in. Can't, can't take the information take in. in. So let's give a real example. This is not mine. I hasten to add but let's say you and I'd just broken up and I said well Cal I am in love with someone else your brain would be going but why and who is it and what do you love more than me and when did you fall out of love with me and and a whole range like you will not stop searching for questions rather than accepting the answer yep and that makes sense to me yeah so knowing that that's happening then you can observe it Rather than believe it, yeah, that's that's that thing, isn't it? If not everything we think is true, no. like, and not everything we feel is true, yeah, because you can feel like damaged goods, yeah, and know in your brain, of course I'm not, but they might not line up yet. Mm. It's so interesting. A friend of mine was going out with a younger woman, and she said to him. Like, because he would tell me when we would catch up, he'd be like, "She really wants to have a kid, but I think I'm too old. Um, she, I'm really worried. She's too much younger than me. I don't know if we should have a kid." And she kept saying that she wanted to have a child, or that they would break up. And then when she broke up with him, he went, "I just don't know what happened." Yes, and I was like, "But I do, <laughs> yeah. I do, and you do." Yeah, yeah, you yeah. absolutely. I mean. I've told this joke before many times. I'll do it again. Like I used to do this joke in stand-up. It's like if if straight women wrote Hollywood rom-coms, it would be we need things to change, I need to change, can we go to therapy, can we try this thing? Then she leaves him and he goes, I just didn't see it coming. (laughs) I mean it's probably 50% of our calls, you know, so it makes sense on a brain chemistry level. You don't want to be sitting in that three months later. No, no. But in that heartbreak phase – however long that lasts, it makes sense. Your brain doesn't want to hear the answer. Yeah, it's too painful. It's too painful. It's too painful to process. But if you know that that's going on, at least as we would say to our kids, well, you can observe it, mm. you know, name it to tame it. You know, what? now you understand what's happening. Yeah. You know. Um, another thing he said is that heartbreak, when you are, that what I said, that longing, mm. it activates the same part of the brain as addiction. Wow. So he encourages people to look at the withdrawal uh-huh. from the other person as a withdrawal. And the exactly wow. the same things. If you've ever given up smoking, if you've had to give up alcohol or any drug or whatever, like your brain fucking tricks you. Yeah. It'll tell you to do anything to get that back. So he talks about, for example, particularly now, this is even more fraught than it was back in our day, but you will want to scroll through their social yeah. media. Yep. You'll want to look through the photos in your phone. You will want to instigate any contact you can, even if it's dramatic, even if it's negative. Yep, yeah. Oh, I've just, I better text because I found a scarf. Yeah. I've, I better do that. Or, oh, I've seen a matchbox. I <laughs> know oh, they had one similar. 
I cool. just saw a street sign that had a letter of your name in it. <laughs> and I, I just the universe had to was tell you. Telling me to call you. And again, if you know that that's happening, mm. if you can actually frame it as this is a with I am yeah. withdrawing from from a source of love. Yeah. It's sort of like you, you you're able to be your own guardian yes. in it. Like yes. you can supervise yourself. Yes. Because I think, think about it, let's say you were trying to give up booze, which you've done. How, mm. how long? I mean, not that you're an alcoholic, but you stopped drinking oh, yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. The temptation, I imagine, let's, if you, well, let's know that's a different analogy. Let's say you were an alcoholic mm. and you've had to give up for health reasons. If you say to yourself, I'll just have a champagne, you're yeah. never just going to have no. a champagne. That's not how it works. Mm. You know, or I'll just buy one pack of smokes. For me, it's biscuits. Right. It's like, I'll just have one biscuit. Oh, yeah. well, the packet's open. Yeah. They're going to go off. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So don't go and buy the biscuits. Yeah. So he's saying in a, in literal practical advice, do not do that. So have you found that helpful? Absolutely. Yeah. Not that I can avoid it altogether because, you know, your phone flashes up. Yeah. Photos and all that sort of stuff now. Yeah. Thanks, Facebook. With Fuck the Facebook yeah. memories and... But I have resisted that temptation to indulge is the wrong word. I can't think of one better. But it's almost to seek it out. Yeah, it's, and it's almost like I remember doing it in the past. You're you're almost self harming. You are self harming when you're doing it. When you're yeah. looking for more proof to hurt yourself. Correct. Mm. And what your brain is doing, and this is his other practical tip, which I love, particularly in those first few days. And my God, I noticed this. Think of addiction again. Your brain will throw up all the reasons you've made the mis- a wrong mistake. It'll, it'll, all the reasons why, or you can just have another smoke. Yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. Like quit next week, you know, or whatever yeah. it is. Like it, you, you'll start to rationalise. Um, his advice is he says to his patients, make a list of all the reasons it didn't work. If they were awful, which is not my case, mm. but if they were awful, make a list of all the reasons they were awful. And he's like, every time they're in therapy and they start going, oh, maybe I should have, yeah, no, no. He's like, get out, you're fine. And read the list. That's great. That's great. I went, that is really good practical oh, advice. I could have done with that several times. Couldn't we have both? Because yeah. I thought, again, it's not about shit caning. It's about just clearly looking at it yeah. and going, these are the reasons this decision had to be made. These were the things mm. that were wrong. And so when I am um, in that yearning, yeah. Then I can come into adult brain and kind of go, okay. There's something I think, and I don't think this is applicable in your case, but but a thing that I have found with breakups before is that when you break up with someone, they demonstrate the reason why you broke up with them. Oh, absolutely. Like they, are, they are so in yes. their behaviour that was a problem. Yes. That, you, that it, sometimes it reinforces yes. the decision. Which could I imagine can be very helpful. Mm. And I think there's the temptation... Um, when you're feeling sad and you're awash with all the hormones and emotions to idealise yeah. the other person yeah. and the relationship and that list just helps you go back to, again, it doesn't have to be I fucking hate your guts, but it can be, well, this didn't work yeah. and this time I was let down and this I didn't want. Mm. And I'll this constantly watch the Sky News. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, and it could be trivial. Like mm. it could even be things that you know you wouldn't have broken up over, but that annoyed you. You know, yeah. it could be. I remember beautiful Helen Thorne being on the podcast and talking about how her ex husband used to cut his toenails in bed. 
you know, and of course that's not why they broke up. Yeah, but she's yeah. like, whenever I was feeling sad, I'd think about that and think like, there's no toenails in my head. <laughs> and those things, I mean, it's it's funny, but it works. Yes. It works. So I think for me it's about having a conscious plan to sort of take it seriously. Mm. I remember an Italian friend of mine, she moved over here when she was about 35 for love actually, and she said when she arrived in Australia she couldn't believe how cavalier we all were about emotions and particularly about breakup. She said she'd broken up with an ex-boyfriend when she was in Italy and she got two weeks off work. Wow. Yeah, because they take it really fucking seriously. Wow, what an insight. Yeah. it. St- I mean, she told me that story 15 years ago, 16 years That's ago. That's blown my mind. So recognising it as grief. Recognising it as grief. You're not in your right mind. Yep. You know, you're really wow. sad. We honour that. Whereas I think we still have that Protestant shit of like, you're fine. Yep. Especially at our age. Yeah. Oh, no, this isn't your first rodeo. You'll be right. Yeah, that's interesting too, isn't it? Like, it's like um, we buy into the idea that the big emotions are for young people. Yes. And the best years of, of yes. your life are when you're youth and that's when you have your grand passions and yes. your things. And yeah. Yeah, what are we supposed to do? Are we living in grey and white rather yeah. than yes. the vivid colour that we the still deserve? The vivid colour that we still live in. And I would say, I mean, it's a generalisation, but, you know, when you're 20, you haven't got a few breakups under your belt. Mm. In some ways it's easier, you know, yeah. because you're not – well, logistically it's certainly easier if you haven't had any shared life together. Yeah, all of that. There's not the admin to undo. But even emotionally, you're not kind of cumulatively – you're not sitting staring at, you know, my mate who I talked to last night. It's like, I'm 51. How can I start again? Mm. No, I think he can yeah. start again yeah. and I think he will start again and people who ring into this podcast prove that over and over yeah. again – but you don't feel that at 20. No. You know, you're, no. you're hurt, but you're not thinking I'm done. No, and it's so interesting too, like, we you know, reading stuff online and people saying, you know, I'm <clears throat> broken up, I'm 29, I just, like, I'm, I'm past it. And oh. then older people going, uh, excuse me, like, <laughs> oh, you're absolutely not past it. Yeah. But also I think, um, I can't remember whether I said this last time or not, I think – it's you have to be not ready after you break up with someone. Yeah. Like you have to be, you have to have that out of service sign on your forehead. Like hundred percent, you cannot pick up any more passengers nah. because you haven't you've been serviced and yep. you haven't. Like it would be absolutely wrong for your friend to go. Oh God, we broke up on Wednesday, but I've I've got three dates this yes. week. Like that's not in any way healthy. Yeah. I'm like back you, on the apps tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, look for some people, it's an interesting one that one because I've known people who've broken up and then had, you know, a few casual dalliances mm. and they've really enjoyed it, you know, and it depends how you're feeling. Yeah, yeah. I think in his case, like I said to him, for example, like there's someone I want to set him up with because, you know, my brain is <laughs> you, always... You can't help it. I can't help it. <laughs> but I said, I'm not going to introduce you, like, for at least a few months. Mm. And, of course, he didn't want that either. So, like, to at least have... You've got to sit in the ship for a mm. bit. You know, okay, if you want to have a one-night stand, you, you know, knock yourself yeah. out. But in terms of starting again, you do actually need – you need it hurt mm. a bit. Mm. And I think – I remember going on a couple of dates with people who clearly hadn't taken that time and you yeah. could feel it. Yep. And that's no way to start a new relationship. Oh, God, yeah, and all they talk about is the ex <sighs> or the – 
or how much of an asshole they are, yeah. or you know, you're not over it then, mate. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> babe. <laughs> seriously, like on a first date, you don't talk about oh your my ex, God, you no. know. Um, so yes, very sad news. It is. Yeah. It's the right call. I think, but still really sad news. Um, and just anyone who's going through that or even, I mean, that might have been a year ago, it might have been mm. two years ago, I would recommend that TED Talk and I'll put it in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Are you ready to pivot to some memes? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, in our house we call them memes because oh. that's what Chris thought they were pronounced <laughs> as. <laughs> Do you know what? You can say this to Chris. I was once on Radio National, of all things, and I said hyperbole. <laughs> I'd only ever read it. Yes, I'd yes. never heard it out loud, but it was Radio National, Cal. <laughs> and now I can't ever say that word again because I'm so, yeah, you're so stressed worried yeah. that I'm going to – and, like, the presenter looked at me like, do you want to – Is it like the Super Bowl? Correct yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It was—I don't know. It would have been ten years ago. Wow! I um, I think I said, banal, <laughs> and <laughs> and lapels for quite a while. Lapels like lapel. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. My mother found that enormously entertaining. I was yes. like, well, you've clearly not educated me well enough if I don't know if I haven't had to use the word lapel. Love. We still call the remote control at our house the commote. Because my little one called it commote from a young age yep. and we've just kept it. Yeah. I will say for it, and I can be like this too, for any of the, you know, grammar and pronunciation snobs out there, if someone is mispronouncing a word, it's probably because they learnt it in a book. Yeah. yeah. And fucking good on them. Yeah. Hyperbole. Um, <laughs> so in our armchair expert section, I wanted to give you a little, just a little parenting pivot because you and I bond over parenting. Mm-hmm. This is from Sari Ma on Instagram, and they say, gentle parenting is effective. Do you, as an adult, learn by getting screamed at and belittled? Sit down with your children and be empathetic to their feelings. They're human. That's lovely. Isn't it beautiful? And also it makes me think, and that's what you need to do with yourself right now. Exactly. As well, like don't beat yourself up about heartbreak. That's right. That's right. And don't indulge... When Emma Race was on, she told a beautiful story that she'd say to one of her kids, I know someone who's talking shit about you. And they'd be like, what? Who? She's like, it's you. <laughs> That's great. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. But I love the idea of giving the, the adult analogy of kind of imagine yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. in a workplace no with one, a boss. No one works at Yelling at you. Yeah, Cow, you got this wrong. Why can't you? Blah, 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 blah. No different in parenting. Yeah. In fact, worse because you're their safe space and you're in the home. Don't scream at kids. No. And if you do, make a mistake, go back, apologise and own it. Yep. I'm so – that's something I'm so conscious of is that if I've screwed up and I've been unfair or I've snapped to go, I'm really sorry, that wasn't – Yes. That wasn't okay. And it wasn't you. Yeah, it was me getting annoyed because – It was me and my shit. Yeah. And I think – Again, massive generalisation, but I reckon that's the best thing about our generation of parents. Like this week, and this will come out a little bit later, but, you know, my beautiful teenager missed out on Taylor Swift tickets. Yep. And many people listening would have, and, you know, you see all the things on social media, oh, these kids these days, they're so soft. I think, oh, fuck off. 
They're teenagers. They're teenagers. They have big feelings. She adores Taylor mm. Swift. Is she going to fall down in a heap and die because she didn't get the tickets? No. But let her be sad. Yeah, it's, per- it's perfectly reasonable. And everybody that I know has gone through that same thing. Of, yeah. Of, of wanting, like we were sitting there with yes. two laptops and yes. an iPad. Yeah, we had four going it for hours. Like I'm getting emotional. I'm just going yeah. <laughs> to. But yeah, like we, like we were like, oh God, this is really important. Yeah. Yeah, and it's absolutely fine. And you think about the things that you were passionate about yes. as a teenager and the music that meant so much to you because it felt like someone. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Saw you and we're... We're telling your feelings out loud. Like who I was it for you? Who was it for me? Um, I really loved the the. I don't know the the. They're like a um, they're a British band. It's one guy. Yeah. Um, but he had it was kind of like kind of hypnotic uh, music, repetitious, but with kind of dark lyrics. And there was one that was like, "How can anyone know me if I don't even know myself?" And oh. like I was like, "Oh my god, how can how anybody can know me if I don't even know myself?" Oh, like, Carl, was, you're so cool. <laughs> That's so cool. The, the. The, the. Mine was Sinead O'Connor. Ah, amazing. Shaved my head. Did Did, you? Oh, yeah. I had, like, hair down past my bottom. I had long, long blonde hair. I'd never had a haircut. This, like, got the kind of hair on a kid, well, particularly a girl, people would stop me in the street. Like, if I ever went to the city. It was magical hair because I've got a thick head of hair as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I came home one day with a shaved head. <laughs> and my mum, I've never seen a look of, like, horror on her face. <laughs> I fucking look good, though. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I loved it. And she, I think for me, she was that voice of a generation mm. where she was kind of going, I do not want all of this um, kind of attention for how I look. Yep. You know? And the, the angst in it resonated with me yep. as a teen. Little bit dark, also romantic. Yep. It's my wheelhouse. Yep. And totally ahead of her time. Like, totally. Like ripping up the picture of the Pope on Saturday Night yeah. Live, I think it was, and then yeah. just being completely pilloried yes. for it. For telling the truth, yeah. which I think is the other thing that resonated with me as a teenager, and it still does, yeah. that the first person, I think I've quoted this to you before, my favourite Jeanette Winterson quote, who's one of my favourite authors, she says the first person in the family to tell the yes. truth about the family is never forgiven. Yes. Yes, I remember having that conversation with you. And I think that's what she did, but with the church. Yep. She was talking about pedophilia 20 years before Mm. anyone else was. So going, that's a big pivot to Taylor (laughs) Swift. But, you know, going back to Taylor Swift, I just think in terms of parenting, like if you're sitting there, for example, um, when my teen didn't get the tickets, just kind of, oh, well, toughen up, you know, you'll be right. No, no. Don't be bloody stupid. No. No, be sad about it. and Be sad. Yeah. All right, and then we move on to make another plan, mm. okay, and we be, you know, develop resilience and all that shit, mm. but don't move them straight out of their feelings. Yeah. Well, like my son really loved a YouTuber whose name escapes me now. He 
he died of cancer quite young. Yes, Technoblade. My, yes, I think my his little name one was. loves Technoblade. Yeah, and so he came yes. to me and I didn't know yes. who Technoblade was, but he came to me and he said, oh, he's died. And yeah. and so we talked about that and it yeah. was um, – he was like, I'd like to make a donation to the, the – cancer research place that Bliss. that his dad I think had talked about on right. a video and so like yes let's do that and, yes and I think we even bought a sweatshirt or something love and I was, it I was like that's the first that's the first idol for my son yep that meant something to him personally yep. and like I found myself quite being quite moved by it as yes. well because there was this outpouring of love for this person who obviously meant so much to so yep. many people and you know I remember loving people passionately and oh remember when princess di died yeah yeah i mean i'm not even a monarchist no, no. i was in floods of tears and i would have been i don't know 20 maybe yeah. maybe I mean, even a little bit older i was walking in a park with a boyfriend yeah. and a guy came up to us and mm. said have you heard is she still alive and we were yeah. like what yeah and i remember like we ran back to my boyfriend's house and turned on the news and we yeah. were like so yeah you have a connection it doesn't mean that you know them personally, no, but, but you're a human being. meant something to you. They've meant something yeah. to you, and particularly when you're a teenager and you've got the raging hormones and you're working out how you feel. It makes complete sense to mm. me. Just to finish off that story, she has decided, I'm so proud of her, she's decided that obviously we can't go to the concert. She's going to, she's got a little karaoke machine that she got for her birthday. It was like 50 bucks or something. She's going to have her friends over. On the night of the concert, oh. they're all going to dress up as Tay Tay and sing Taylor Swift songs. That's gorgeous. I'm like I will be doing party pies. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever it is, teenagers want to eat. I don't know. It's yeah. probably kale or something. But you know, like, okay, let her sit in the shit for a little bit. Yep. Let her feel it. Let her actually really be sad. It is really disappointing. Mm. And then move toward, well, now what can we do? Yeah. Yeah. What lovely. a beautiful, what a beautiful way to turn. A shit thing into a lovely thing, which will be yes. a little precious core memory later on. Like, well, going back to where we started, isn't that what we're all trying to do? Yeah, right. There is, you cannot get to our age and not have had knocks. Mm. You know, it is not about moving through that quickly, but it is about at some point kind of going, okay, what's next? Mm. How do I move through this? And how am I preventing myself moving through it? Because if yeah. she sat in her room just listening to Taylor Swift and looking on Instagram at all her friends who got tickets, she's still going to feel bad, mm. you know. Whereas if you go right, I'm planning a party. We're all going to dress up. This is what we're going to do. You've got a chance at least mm. of healing a bit quicker. Yeah, yeah. And just for our listeners who don't have kids, I just thought I'd put this one in. This one I saw. I mean, it's been all over Facebook. So there's two sort of 1950s housewives, this meme, and it says, she never had kids and she owns her own business and the last I heard she was in Paris having the best time of her life and the other woman says, oh, selfish bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it ridiculous how we talk to women of our age who don't have children and go, oh, you're missing out on so much. Oh, God, that makes me, like, cringe. So, like, I was talking to... um, some women last night and I think I was the only parent there and one of them one of them was sort of like almost all apologetic about the fact they hadn't had kids yeah. but she was like I'm a great aunt and I was like it's so massively important <laughs> for kids to have adults in their lives yep. that aren't their parents that yep. you are the safe person that they can come to and go oh my god yep. mama's driving me bonkers yep. or to have yeah like you you if you want children in your life there are lots of ways to have it and you are mm. absolutely 
no less of a woman because you don't have children. Oh, like, it's ridiculous. And not so only ridiculous. that, why is the conversation still taboo that that offers you a freedom yeah. that no parent will ever have and certainly no mother will ever have? Yeah. Right? You're allowed to say, I have more money, mm-hmm. more time and more freedom as a result of not having children. Yeah. Yep. That's okay. That I don't think you're shitting on me as a mother when you say that. I think you're telling the truth. Yeah. And why is your why is <laughs> you your know? life any like the the judgment that goes with it is just the judgment. ridiculous. We get Mother's Day. Yeah. Yeah. And the little cards and the posts on Facebook and the you're amazing and all that kind of stuff. Why can't we say to a single person without children, fucking enjoy your time in Rome? Yeah, absolutely. Knock yourself out. Stay up till three. Yeah, well, friends, a friend, a friend of mine took her three nieces to Japan recently. She doesn't have children Amazing. of her own, and so she just planned this gorgeous little holiday. Yeah, hired a guide to take me into all the like Instagrammable spots and everything. And yeah. and she absolutely could not have done that if she'd no been a mum. Like, but she was able to give the the children in her life an extra yeah. special experience. Yeah. and have that beautiful experience herself, and give their parents a break. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast. My friends who don't have kids, particularly become a single mum, have been my saving grace because it's much harder to ask a friend with kids to take your kids on, you know, but a a single friend, like there's a couple in particular who love being around Mm. kids, they don't have access to kids, and they've got fucking energy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're happy to sit there and listen about the YouTuber or, you know, oh, I'd love to go and see that Disney movie. And guess what? I get like an hour and a half on my own. Like win-win. Yeah, absolutely. All right, are you ready for a couple of Mm -hmm. listener calls? Hi, Nelly, it's Ruby. Um, I actually called in a few weeks ago when you were with um, Sloppy Seconds with Scott Brennan. Um, I was talking about my situation living in share housing and you guys were awesome. Um, Yeah, I'm just ringing, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and I know you're having some mental health challenges at the moment and I just wanted to say that, um, you know, there's a lot of us out here doing it tough and you've been a weekly highlight of so many of our weeks, including mine. Um, I really find your podcast so medicinal and I love the belly laughs and... I wouldn't be without it and I just hope that um, some of that great therapy rubs off on you and, you know, it's tough being in the sandwich generation and but you're a queen and all your guests are wonderful and thank you so much for everything you do. Okay, bye. Aww. It's gorgeous. Aww. I can't talk about that one. You can. Oh, that's beautiful. It's how, how What a beautiful feeling of um, people holding each other up. Yes. Like how lovely for you, especially now as you're, you know, you're feeling vulnerable and mm. you've had a wobble and you're going through a breakup. Mm. Like how lovely to know that you've been able to be a strand in the net for someone else and yeah, that they would also like to be a strand in the net for you. I think that's that's why it makes me emotional because it is reciprocal. Yeah. You know, and the conversations with my guests, you included, you especially, may I say, are absolutely therapeutic for me you know it's they really are like it's not something and I will never go into great detail about this but things aren't easy at home and for me this is this is me in my adult self Mm. in what you know therapists call flow 
You know, it's that exchange with every guest I have on is someone I love. I've never had someone on where I've kind of gone, oh, they're all right. (laughs) You know, because of the nature of the conversations, I have to have that emotional trust. And then to get that, but then also get this amazing community. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, I'm always um, so overjoyed by how much you connect people and bring them together. Like when we did that live podcast with Carly oh, and Scott. The live shows. was just so special and Isn't magical. It? Yeah, and, and people freely giving of their own stories yeah. to you. It yeah. really, yeah, it's, it's so, it just makes me, it just reminds me how rich and complex and um, worthwhile everybody's stories are. Like yeah. everyone has such a valuable story to tell, whether yes. they know it or not. Yes. Oh, what? One hundred percent, and it's that is such a gift. Like the feeling in the room when we've done the live shows, it is a whole bunch. And I say this as a compliment: it's a whole bunch of weirdos, yeah, in whatever way yep. they define that, coming together and kind of going, "Well, I'm one of yours," yeah, you know. Yeah. And the stories are really, really different, but they're no less valid than than the next one. Mm. And I think one, and if I pull back big picture, I think that's one of the things that both you and I use comedy for, you know, to be able to kind of come to difficult conversations with humour actually does let everyone relax Mm. and disarm and you can still pivot to the hard stuff and it's not all jokes and shits and giggles. But there's an element, say in those live shows, for example, the laughter frees you up. Yeah. You know, to yep. kind of go, yes, I can talk about this thing that happened. The thing that I was holding inside that felt like the yeah. biggest thing in my life, I've just heard someone else talk about yeah. and reframe it and suddenly it's not the giant thing that no. I thought it was. And I'm not the only one. I mean, one of the ones, we've had a few different calls and letters about this, the deep, deep shame for people who have an STI, yeah. for example. Yep. Like we've had a couple of callers one in particular that still stays with me that, you know, was suicidal yeah. over it. And just the idea of being able to go, let's just talk about it. Let's just talk mm. this through because test and treat, test and treat, it's 2023, we're not in the 1800s, yeah. we can actually deal with this. This shame is not practical, it is historical and it is religious-based, mm. and it is misogynist, and it is all the things. Like, let's actually talk it through. This shame is not yours. You had sex once. That's all that's happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But you've got to be – you've got to feel safe mm. to have that conversation. And I think that is that is one thing that you're so amazing at, is, is making a safe space. Oh, thank you, darling, Cal. All right. Now, this one is a doozy. <laughs> Hi Nelly, it's Mel here. I'm so grateful for your sage advice and delightful guests. What fun friends you have. You must have been collecting them for a while, I suspect. Being able to share your podcast with other people has helped me circumvent some of those intense conversations you talk about that um, can get tiresome as much as I love my friends. I had many pseudo relationships in my life and one included procreating a child that is now a young man, and I adore him. He's great. Uh, It's very proud of him. However, I didn't find out what real love was until I was 47, and then it actually took me a year before I even recognised it as love. 
12 years on and we still have the hots for each other and not just because of the old peri chicken i say to all my friends you know get hitched have your children if that's what you want then fall in love i really believe we do it in the wrong order and uh, love comes later secondly i haven't heard you talk about this and i rarely meet any other woman that even knows this insight so i think i'm like the only one now i have someone that takes the time to check how i'm going mid-coitus um, and i've discovered the difference between coming and orgasm and for the first time in my life squirting even well um, well unless that's a early sign of uh, prolapsed uterus but yeah that's another discussion once i worked this out i can now recognize the incline from the first sensation go past this to the ultimate second coming until finally we reach the promised land of the actual orgasm i now know that even through even though this process might take up to an hour it's all connected i would be interested in your thoughts on this and you know how long does it take you thank you again a thousand times for your insights your candor and your gorgeous friends and love you to bits p.s um, can you like Put me on your dance card for later. I'd love that. Have a great day. Love you, Mary. <laughs> wow, there was a lot in that call. I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be asked how long it takes me to have an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing sexy back. Woo! Wow. wow. <laughs> All right. Start where you want to start. All what right. Do you hear? So, so um, your lovely caller has said <laughs> the difference between coming yes. and orgasm, and then also talked about squirting. And yes. so she's gone. There's the first one, and then mm. moving to the second one that can take an hour. And yeah. it's making me go. Am, did I think I was in the mansion? But really, I've just been at the gates looking through the fence at the mansion. That's exactly what I thought. Like That's I was like, exactly what I, I quite thought. liked the view of the mansion, yeah. but I didn't know is there a key like. Are you allowed in the, the mansion? Yeah, I thought this was this was as far yes. as you're allowed to go. I know, I know. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> the, I want to go back first of all to the fact that because I think it's fascinating for her to have recognised that she had not been in love yeah. until she was 48 or 47, 47, yeah, and that it took her a year to realise she was in love. Wow, because we are not all the same. Mm. The Hollywood thing of like I'll walk past someone in the street when I'm 22 and, you know, they're the one, it's fucking bullshit. Mm. And I think sometimes there's people in relationships who think, oh, this must be what love is because we said yes. Yeah, and and well, also how difficult is it going to be to unravel this so yeah. we'll just make the best of whatever this is. And I just love, I want everyone listening who's our age or older to just go, she didn't think that was coming around the corner yeah. either. It's lovely. Yep. Bravo. Absolutely gorgeous. Also, now let's get to the sexy yeah. <laughs> So I didn't know. I use the words coming and orgasm. I mean, I don't really use the word coming, but use the words coming and orgasm interchangeably. So, so do I. I do know. At first I thought she was talking about men because there is a difference between ejaculating mm -hmm. and orgasm. So you can orgasm as a dude without ejaculating and those two things can be conflated. But... I think most people in terms of talking about women, coming is just the slang 
for that's, orgasm. That's how I not not that I have a lot of conversations about no. it in my everyday <laughs> life. Can I give you a quote from Medical News today? Please, please. Because I was confused. I'm, I'm so glad to hear from them. I'd be worried. <laughs> I was like sitting there going exactly the same as you. I'm like, have I been doing this wrong? <laughs> What's going on? So they say climax, so let's say that's coming. Mm-hmm. Climax and orgasm are both parts of sexual activity. While many people use the words interchangeably, some believe they have different definitions. By these definitions, an orgasm is the build-up of pleasure just before a climax while a climax is the peak of the orgasm when the sexual pleasure is at its most intense. Right. I feel like that's giving orgasm more credit than (laughs) it deserves. deserves. (laughs) Or maybe less – it's – so it's the orgasm is the pre-climax. Yes. Well, according to I think the caller – but also yeah. this definition. Mind you, it does clarify that some people believe they have different definitions. I think this is actually a semantic discussion yeah. because I think in common parlance what we mean by orgasm is coming yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. It's it's the top of the wazza, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> it's the fucking peak. Yeah. It's the summit. Yeah. Not all the nice feelings beforehand. No, the lovely journey up the mountain. Not the de- <laughs> You're not hiking. You are sweating. Yeah, you- you've planted your flag. <laughs> <laughs> you might have a pole. You might. You might. You might. Get there. you might. Hopefully you haven't got boots on. But I think most people would use them interchangeably. Yeah, yeah. Either way, if you're having orgasms, you're coming, you're squirting, whatever's going Fucking bravo, great. girl. Yeah, absolutely great. And you're on the dance card, Nelly. Yes, yeah. I'm on the dance. I didn't quite know what that meant. Well, I'm assuming that she's up for letting you in the mansion at some point. Oh! <laughs> That's why I've, in- <laughs> I've interpreted it as that. Oh, I interpreted that she wanted to come on the podcast. Oh, but like- well, look, it can be both. <laughs> <laughs> a live Not podcast. Sure her husband would feel about that. But a live podcast of a different kind. A different kind. I'd charge more. That is yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would be the, the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a subscriber. Um, yeah, look, I think that it's interesting, I think, even asking the question about, like, how long it takes to come. These are things that yeah. we don't talk about enough, and particularly women of our age, yeah. even though we're supposedly post, you know, sexual revolution and all the rest of it. We don't talk about – I mean, I don't no. – and I do a fucking sex podcast. I don't sit yeah, around yeah. talking with friends about that. But I think it is a good conversation to have, particularly when you start talking about menopause mm. and the effects. Menopause absolutely affects your sexuality. Yeah. Yep. No doubt. For some people, they're like hornbags. Other people, no interest at all. Other people, somewhere in the middle. And your physiology can change. Mm. So I don't think there's an answer. Like even for me personally, I couldn't say, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> But I couldn't say it takes me this long. Yeah, yeah. Like it depends. Yeah, absolutely on on if, on so many things, environmental yeah. factors. Absolutely. Um, I tell you what, I'm excited about is yeah. Kaz Cook's book coming out. Me too. In, about menopause. menopause. Yes, and she's going to come on the podcast. Oh, that's so exciting! And talk about because we had a call recently from someone who had um, vaginal atrophy during. Oh my god! I didn't menopause. Know that was a thing. It's a thing. You know, your clitoris can literally shrink. Oh. 
I mean, we talk about dryness yep. and, you know, things in terms of intercourse, but even in terms of masturbation or using sex toys or whatever it is you use to get there, um, if your clitoris has shrunk or your hormone levels have changed, which they inevitably are during menopause, for some people it will take them much longer to orgasm. Yep. They may not be able to orgasm at all. If you are on certain types of medications, it will make orgasm either difficult or impossible. So there's a whole – and as you say, emotional factors. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't know this. I don't know if this is a TMI, but – I absolutely cannot orgasm if I'm not feeling safe and comfortable. Of course. Well, why would you? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Do you know, you know Jackie yeah. Cation? Yes. Beautiful yeah, Jackie yeah. Cation, who's an American comedian. She does a very dark but great joke about she used to be a big drinker. She hasn't drunk for like 20 years. And she used to go out and have one night stands and whatever. And she's like, it was really relaxing when you'd like take home a stranger. And like, Can you have an orgasm when you're poised for flight? Yeah, and she, wow. she would yeah. do like a uh, a move on stage as though she was getting ready to run out yeah, the door, yeah. you know. And it doesn't have to be even physical safety. For me, if there's conflict, absolutely. If you're not feeling, if you're not feeling in the same place as your partner, yeah, or, yeah. Like there's got to be. It's between the ears for me, mm. you know. And no, I'm not going to put a timeline on that. <laughs> But the other thing is I think she's mentioned squirting and let's not leave that alone. That is completely normal. Mm-hmm. It's completely normal if you don't. It's completely normal if you do. Everyone's bodies work differently. Mm. I feel like you're absolutely right in that we don't talk about this stuff enough. We really don't. And it's like we still, at our age, I think we still, our bodies don't get the respect they deserve no. from medical literature and nope. research so we still don't know everything about ourselves yeah because it wasn't seen as important when research was done or worse it's seen as disgusting yeah or shameful yep. i mean again i have been a women's health ambassador i've done sex ed shows for 20 years i do this podcast i found myself in the doctor the other day talking about perimenopause and whether i was going to do hrt and you know all this sort of stuff and I was reluctant to talk to her about the sexual health side of it. I did it, but I had to actually say to myself, you can talk to her about this, like raise this. Yeah, amazing. And I think there's plenty of people who have not had the benefit of the kind of environments that mm. I've been in who simply wouldn't raise it. Yeah. Do you know, I don't know if I've talked about this with you before, but it's just reminded me I had to go for a um, – pap smear once when I was in my early 20s and I was still in Christchurch and it wasn't our usual family doctor which would have been weird enough anyway because he delivered me yeah but I needed to yeah needed to go to the doctor and they had this elderly doctor in and instead of having me like you know you lie on your back and you've got your knees up and using the speaking not on all fours no no he made me curl up in the fetal position and face away from him and he inspected me from behind oh and i felt so dirty and ashamed yes Yes. like i was yes it was like i can still just remember the like the confusion Mm. and going why as if i've got to hide myself from him but he requested it as if as if it would be better for you. Yeah, but also being yeah. better for him. It was yeah. just so fucking weird. And you know what? We have those, I mean, in common terms, they're called microaggressions. Mm. Anyone with a vagina has had those experiences yeah. or worse, you know, for their whole life mm. at different times in their life. We had a caller who went for a pap smear and the doctor commented on her pubes. 
you know, and that's a doctor. That's yeah. not a Tinder date, which no. would be just as bad. But this is a fucking health professional. Yeah. And then we say to ourselves, oh, I should be able to sit at the doctor and say I'm having trouble orgasming from the um, estrogen patches or whatever it, yeah. it yeah. is. No wonder it takes yeah. work. Like we've got to do it. We do have to do I want to encourage you mm. to do it because you're entitled and that, to yes. that and that sexual no life. shame around. It's not your shame. Not your shame. Like that doctor putting you in the fetal position, that was the doctor's yeah. shame. There was another time too, and I may have said this before, of going into family planning in New Zealand. You used to be able to get um, condoms on prescription, so you yeah. didn't have to pay for them. Oh, wow. And so I got a prescription from the doctor and took it to the woman at the front yeah. desk and said, I've got a prescription for condoms. And she got like... She got like 12 packets of 12 and slammed them on the desk and went, do you think that'll be enough? Oh, my Lord. Like, this is family planning. Wow. Like, this is the place where you're encouraging us all to yeah. come to look after ourselves yeah. and be responsible with contraception. Yeah. And I'm getting this bullshit from the yeah. woman at the you're front. You're not an altar boy. What she should have said was, I am so proud of you yeah. for taking control of your sexual health and being responsible and doing the yeah. right thing. Yeah, we. this is why, like, to be honest, now I think about it and it's only just occurred to me, I don't know why, you know, you and I are really close. There, We've got other girlfriends who are really close. Mm. I don't know why it would be weird to sit around and kind of go, you know, what does it take to get you there? Yeah. Not in a sexual way, but as a kind of to understand. information, yeah. Because clearly, like, there's women who can't orgasm from there's many women who can't orgasm from penetrative sex mm. there's many who can't orgasm even from masturbation with their own hand there's some who need vibrators mm. there's some who need, you know whatever there's a whole range of, but none of us know no that's true and i guess in like i guess in my early 20s i was talking about yeah sexual ex- exploits but that's not something i've done in no recent years but i think particularly in the peri peri mm. <laughs> and the menopause <laughs> and the meno it's probably a conversation yeah. we should have. Maybe, in fact, we'll facilitate one on stage and everyone will feel more comfortable. I like that idea. <laughs> if you want to get a comedian to talk, <laughs> there needs to be a microphone. Yep. And an audience. <laughs> but to our caller, thank you for opening up that discussion. And yeah. I would be, if callers are prepared to, I would bloody love for them to call in. They don't mm-hmm. have to say their name. For them to call in and say, actually, this is how it's changed yep. for me. Um, or, I mean, we've had callers who haven't had an orgasm until they were 40. Yeah, wow. You know, and then worked yep. out what they needed. So I would love to, because we need to talk about it more. Yeah, Bring totally. in with your coming stories. <laughs> you can call it coming, you can call it I don't care what you call it. Just, just give us the stories. All right, let's finish on our return sloppy seconds final um, segment called Big Mistake. What do you think when you see relationships and dating all that you've done, what's the big mistake people make? I sort of got two. And one is that uh, you focus so entirely on the person that you're with that you drop your friendships. Oh. And also that you expect you can get everything from one person and you can't. And you know what? They're closely related. Yeah. Amen. So your episode will be out the week after an episode that I did with Harley Breen uh-huh. and Wade Duffin together. Oh, gorgeous. And it's the only time I've done a double. The reason I wanted to do it is because I adore their friendship. Mm, so do I. And I think it's really, really instructive, particularly for men, but for all of us, 
to realise no partner can give you everything. Yep. If they didn't have each other, their partners would like them less. Yeah. Truthfully. Yeah. Yep. I think their actual marriages would be less successful. Yeah. Their friendship's really important and you've got to work on it. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, like with my relationship, like this sounds like such a trivial thing, but Chris is not a theatre person or yeah. a musical person. Yeah. So I take someone else that Absolutely. I know will love it and it's far more enjoyable yeah. for me and also for him because yes. neither of us are feeling the pressure of oh. knowing that he's probably not really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, Babe, I'm not going to the cricket for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Weebeck and I talked yeah. about this, Kirsty Weebeck, um, previous guest. Like there's – I'm not going for a walk with you. Like, yeah. actually, you and I do go yeah, for walks, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, she's bloody exercising 24-7, fucking yep. on a boogie board, going to see sport. Like, I, it's just not my jam. Yeah. So if you took me, I'd be sitting there, whether I'm saying anything or not, you'd know I'm shitty. Yeah, yeah, because it's just not, it's not your environment. <laughs> and then it's ruined for everybody. Yeah. So it's nice if you've got a couple of overlapping interests, but mm. I think it's lovely if you've got divergent interests. You've also got something to talk about. Yeah. And like I, I hate golf, right? I, I come from a God, golf, I hate golf. Come from a golf family. My parents started a golf oh, course. Like yeah. golf, 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 mm. golf. I'll drive the car. That is fun. Yeah. I have to admit that. Um, yeah. uh, but Chris loves golf and yeah. he's very good at it. And I love that he plays golf every week because I know how much he enjoys it yeah. and the friendships that he's made yeah. and what he gets out of it. And because he does so much because he works from home and he's always – like I go off for work and he stays at home and, and is the primary caregiver. But I love going, he's got that outlet that yeah. I have absolutely no interest in ever. No. Like we would both die if yeah. I went, can you give me a lesson? Can yeah. I come on your <laughs> round with you? Like, Do you know I'm, what? Even more than that, I think for people early dating, if someone wants to do everything with you, you know, I've seen friends mm. where, like, I don't know, they might have every Thursday they get together with their girlfriends and they play cards and drink wine. If your new partner comes to that, red flag. Yeah, yeah. That's your night. Yeah. That's your night with your friends and it's your friend's night with you. Yes, it's not your friend's night with you having to no. navigate the weirdness of the new partner. Of the new partner, regardless of gender. Mm. I'm talking about, in general, you've got to maintain those connections and if we go full circle to me currently in a breakup, if I'd just dropped all my friends, I'd be fucked. Wouldn't you? And you do see that with people going through divorce. Again, generalisation. But I implore, particularly the men listening, maintain your friendships. Mm. The reason that sometimes women do better in di after divorce than men do is because they have social yeah. networks. Yeah. You don't need 25 friends, but you yeah. do need to have a few close friends that are going to pick you up. And listen to mm. your blubber. And like I see this with my my parents and my in-laws as well, is that um, both my dad and my father-in-law, I think, rely on their friends' friendship circle now. Yes. Because they don't have their their strong friendships. Like my my dad. You mean they rely on their wife's friendship yeah, yeah, circle? Yeah, sorry, what did I yes. say? You said friend's friendship oh, sorry. circle, but I yeah, knew yeah, exactly I'll, what you meant. I'll go back. And that's what I'm talking about, yeah. where, the, where the wife is the social lubricant. Yes. And maintains, you know, remembers the birthdays. Yes. And calls yeah, yeah. people and da-da-da. When the wife's gone, you're in big trouble. Mm. you got to do some of that, at least with a couple of people. Yeah. On your own. Yeah. And, yeah, with that shared thing, like whether it's golf or model trains. <laughs> yeah, whatever awesome it my is. Dad. Yeah, whatever yeah. that thing is. Yeah, just have have that outlet with other people. Yeah. 
Because there is surely not a, a person on this planet that hasn't at one point needed to just go, oh, my God, do you know what my partner did today? Oh, like that's right. That's <laughs> right. So it's not just about anticipating divorce or, um, you know, death or whatever. It is having that space, yes. you know, to be able to go. And, again, speaking of red flags, I've been talking about with someone, with a listener about this this week. If you start dating someone and they – try to stop you talking to mm. other people about your relationship, that's a huge red yeah. flag. And don't ignore your gut. Don't ignore yeah. your gut instinct. That's another yeah. one for me that yeah. took me far too long yeah. to learn. Yeah. Don't go, oh, no, it'll be fine. Like, yeah, oh, it's all right. That's all right. No. If they say to you, you know, Nellie, you're not allowed to talk to Cal about us, like, why? Yeah. Like a different thing to shit canning someone or bitching. Yeah, yeah. But to me, the only person who says that is someone who's behaving badly yeah. or even abusively because they don't want Cal to go, Nellie, I don't like that. Yeah. Is this okay? What's is happening? This all right? yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if this is all right. So just really clock that. And I agree with you. Having friends, it's completely normal and natural to have that outlet and go, Jesus, she gives me the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can you believe he did this? That's fine. Yeah. Like if they're your friend, they love them too. Yeah. You know, they know you'll get over it. Shit happens. But you need a little... Yeah. You know. Excellent advice. Cal Wilson, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me back. Oh, I wouldn't have had anyone else to do this episode. This has been the hardest episode I've done. Yeah. And you you've know, done really well. By far, thank you. Well, I, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But I thank you for being that friend that can hold that with me. Um, it means a lot to me. Well, I love you very much. I love you too. Bye-bye, listeners. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice. Dear Nelly, yeah, some help would be nice. Dear Nelly, I'm eager to hear your point of view. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly, when you're 40 or more, dear Nelly, so I'm hoping we can talk it through. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Dear Nelly. Now, don't be shy. I would love to hear your questions and comments. To send me a recording or an email, go to nellythomas.com and follow the links. It's super easy and you might hear me talk about your question in a future episode. 
Huge thanks to producer Sam Peterson from the Producer Boy Creative Production Team and to producer Faye Younger, who in addition to being an excellent human, is also a brilliant real estate buyer's advocate and can be found at youngerhill.com. Thanks to Acast and all the team. And lastly, to you. Without the listeners, I'm just a middle-aged mole talking shit to no one. Please rate, review and consider subscribing for five bucks a month for a bonus episode and to help me keep the lights on. And tell your bloody mates, would you? I'd really appreciate it. Love yous.